Hi there, CA students and 678. Welcome to CA Students Online. My name is Levi. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And I'm so glad that you joined us this week for some worship, some teaching, some being in the presence of God. Uh, so appreciate you. Hey, I want to give a quick reminder. If you're a high schooler, we do, we have started in-person high school gatherings, socially distant, mask, all that at church. Those are happening on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And if you're a middle schooler in 6th, 7th, or 8th grade, those same gatherings are happening on Fridays at 7 p.m. as well. Those will run from 7 to about 8.15 or so. Would really love to see you there. If for whatever reason you're not able or comfortable to go to those, we will still be producing these videos, uploading them on Friday evening, so you can still be connected to the CA students and 678 family and still be connecting with God and each other on a regular basis. <clears throat> if you are able, I do want to encourage you to do everything you can to make it to the in-person gatherings. Uh, well, I'm so excited to jump into God's Word together for today. Uh, as we start doing that, have you ever not quite fully prepared for something as much as you should have? <laughs> Maybe you didn't practice your piece enough before a recital. Maybe you didn't quite study all the information before a test. Maybe uh, if you're in high school, you didn't quite know every rule of the road before taking your permit test or your license test. I know that I have done this in a variety of ways in my life, and I'm continuing to grow to be more responsible and ready for those times. But I think we've all experienced a time where we haven't quite been ready for the task ahead. Uh, one time in particular for me, it was this physics test I was taking in college, and uh, my professor allowed us to have a cheat sheet. We could have one sheet of notes that we could write anything and all the information we could fit on one piece of paper to bring into the test. And so I thought, oh, sweet, I'm good. We're, we're good, right? It's all fine. And so for my preparation for that test, I made a really great cheat sheet and then I did nothing. <laughs> because I thought to myself, well, I have this cheat sheet, so what could go wrong? I'll have all the right answers or a way to come to all the right answers with me, right? famous last words. <laughs> I get to the test and uh, true enough, my cheat sheet is helping me a lot. I'm using it and I'm able to get all the formulas and I'm able to get all the right answers. The problem is because I just made a cheat sheet and I didn't do other kinds of studying, I was totally dependent on my cheat sheet for every single question, which means that every question took me way longer than it should have. And as it turns out, because I took so long on each problem, I wasn't able to finish the test and I got a pretty poor grade. And I, I, instead of studying the way that I could have, I had sort of like an inappropriate amount of trust and reliance on this cheat sheet. And so really what it came down to is sure, I had all the right answers with me, but I didn't have all the right answers in me. I had all the right answers with me, but I didn't have all the right answers with me. And if, if we're being honest, I think we can all say that sometimes we have felt like that following Jesus. And sometimes we can fall into this way of thinking like, I know Jesus is there for me. And I can kind of fall into thinking that Jesus' main function in my life is to forgive me when I do bad things so that I don't go to hell. And I can just start thinking things like, well, it's okay for me to do this because Jesus will forgive me anyway. I kind of have this knowledge that Jesus is accessible, that I have Jesus with me, 
but I haven't yet had Jesus formed in me, right? There, there's that difference of, I know he's accessible, but I haven't had him formed in me yet. I have this faith, but it's separate from my actions. And I want to be clear, forgiveness, which we talked about, forgiveness is totally core to the gospel, absolutely core to the gospel. I'm not knocking on forgiveness, right? But here's the thing. Forgiveness is the beginning of a new life in Christ. The primary image in the New Testament of life with Christ is not like a washing and cleansing, where it's just like you get washed off, now get out there and try again, right? No, the primary image in the New Testament of life with Christ is resurrection. It's death of a total end to the old, and then resurrection, a brand new beginning to what is new. Forgiveness is what unlocks a different, a better present, along with guaranteeing a better future as well. You see, at 6, 7, 8 NCA students, we're all about encountering Jesus and joining his mission. And Jesus didn't just come to make believers, Jesus came to make followers. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more uh, this evening or whenever you're watching this video. But before we get into that, would you pray with me and just join your faith with mine, believing that God is going to speak to us through his word right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us, even in this moment, wherever we are, whenever we're watching this, thank you that your word is living and active and that when we come to your word and when we submit ourselves to it, you speak to us and you form us. God, we thank you for that. We pray that you would speak to us right now. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there's more to following Jesus than only having your sins forgiven. That's, that's the beginning of following Jesus. That's what unlocks this new life with Jesus. Following Jesus is not just about believing all the right things. It's about having our desires, having our actions, and having our beliefs shaped to be like Jesus's actions, beliefs, and desires. And so here's the main point. We're starting a new series this week, uh, and it's called Jesus Formed. Jesus Formed. This is actually our uh, theme for the whole school year. And so I encourage you to really let this uh, word of God speak to you in a deep and profound way. And so here's the main point for this, for this talk, for this series, and really for our whole school year. Is that following Jesus is not only about believing in Jesus, it's also about being formed like Jesus. Following Jesus is not only about believing in Jesus, it's also about being formed like Jesus. See, following Jesus is not just moralism. It's not just doing the right thing. We don't just do it because it's the right thing to do. Following Jesus is also not just eternal salvation. It's not only a ticket to hell and away from heaven at the end of your life, right? And sometimes we can fall into this way of thinking of like, yeah, I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to believe in Jesus so that I go to heaven instead of hell when I die. But in the meantime, I'm just going to live however I want, right? And here's the thing. If you live however you want and that's different than the way Jesus offers you to live, guess what? Eternity in heaven is going to be living Jesus's way. And so you might find that when you get there, it's not what you wanted, 
right? There's more to following Jesus than just a ticket to heaven at the end of the game. There's a new transformed presence, reality for you right now. See, following Jesus is not just, hey, you're forgiven, now get back in the game and do better next time, right? Following Jesus is a, is a complete transformation of the heart. It's, it's about restoring relationships between God and between others. You know, uh, when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I, I wondered a lot about what God's will was for my life. And what I meant by that was, man, I wonder what I'm going to do with my life. Like, am I going to be a teacher? Am I going to be a doctor? Am I going to be a youth pastor? Am I going to do all those things? And I was like praying and asking like, God, show me what your will for my life is. And I sometimes would get anxious and worried of like, oh, I'm not sure. And I, I don't want to miss God's plan for my life, right? I don't want to miss God's will for my life. Well, CA students, 678, anyone watching this video, I have good news for you. I know what God's will for your life is. I, I know what God's will for your life is. And it's not because I'm awesome or impressive. I can just read. And I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it says this, God's will for you is to be holy. God's will for you is to be holy. Full stop. Let, let's let that sink in for a moment, right? And if you think like, oh, Levi, that's just one verse. Well, let me read you another verse, also from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you? To be thankful, uh, to pray, and to rejoice, right? To do the things Jesus did. What about 2 Peter chapter 1? It says, and because of God's glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises, these, get this, these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires, right? And let me give you one more. This is the theme verse for the whole series. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What's God's will for your life? God's will for your life is to be formed like Jesus himself. It's for your actions, your desires, for your behaviors and your beliefs to look like Jesus' own. That's God's will for your life. And so I think it's a good and right question to ask, like, oh, should I be a doctor? Should I be uh, a foreign missionary? Or whatever that looks like. I think those are important questions, but that's secondary, What's primary, what's first, is that Jesus, God, has called you to a life of holiness, to a life of looking more and more like Jesus. And here's the secret. If you're doing that first, then whatever you do with your life, teacher, any other occupation or job, if you do it as someone who has been shaped like Jesus, you are living God's will for your life. So put aside all that anxiety, all that fear about, are you missing out on God's will for your life? No, God's will for your life is for you to look more and more like Jesus. To have his heart, his desires, and his actions formed in your life. And, and I think uh, some of us might hear that and be like, okay, but why is that important if I'm just trying to get to heaven when I die, right? Like, if I have the right barcode, at the end of the day, I'm going to get scanned and I'm going to go to the right place, right? Well, I think it has to do with what, uh, what you believe the story of the Bible is all about, right? 
And if you think that the story of the Bible, the story of the gospel is all about how you get into heaven, then I see how this wouldn't very, make very much sense. It wouldn't be very compelling to you. But the more you immerse yourself in the scriptures, what we see is the whole story of the Bible is God redeeming and restoring this creation that he loves. And really the story of the Bible is not primarily about how you get into heaven. It's about how heaven is getting into you. And if that's true about the Bible, if that's the story the Bible is telling, then it matters a lot how we're formed into Jesus's likeness. And, and here's the story of the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth together and he created them very good. But heaven and earth got ripped apart. And it wasn't God's fault. It wasn't God's intention. It was something that humans did. It was something that went wrong in the human heart, this urge to rebel against God, to take autonomy or to take, I'm going to decide what I do with my life away from God and to, to, to act on what I want to do instead of what God says is right and wrong. And, and the, the, what the Bible, the story it tells about the fall of humanity in Genesis 3 is the story of how through sin, humankind has unleashed hell on God's good world. And, and God, God hates sin. God hates sin because sin is all about the unleashing of selfishness and evil and the breakdown of human beings that God loves. And God, God gets so angry with sin. And, and that's good news. If God, God wouldn't be good if he didn't get angry about sin because sin is what is destroying what he loves. And God, God wants to get sin out of our world. And after that story of the fall in the Garden of Eden, it just gets worse and worse and worse. It starts in the Garden of Eden with someone eating a fruit uh, against God's will. But then in the next generation, it's about uh, how a man murders his own brother. And then next in the story, it's about how one guy insults a man. So that man kills him and others and then writes a song about how impressive he is that he killed. And it's just this humankind is spiraling, corkscrewing down further and further away from God's good plan for his world. And it's because of that, that inclination in the human heart to go away from the things of God. And that sin brings death and it brings hell on the world everywhere that it goes. And that's exactly what Jesus came to confront. Jesus came to confront the breakdown of human relationships and he came to confront personal spiritual evil that was afflicting humans as well. Jesus hates sin and he hates what sin has done to the people that he loves. And so I, let's, let's just all get on the same page here that there are, there are things in our world that are wrong, that are evil, that are bad. Let's just use racism for an example. We can all agree that mistreating someone and allowing people to be subject to systems of oppression that puts them their value lower than other people that is an evil in our world according to scripture according to god that is an evil that is in our world and we as people we want that out of our world right we, we hate racism we want to get it out of our world but here's the thing jesus takes it even more seriously than we do 
Because while we want to get rid of racism in this world, God understands that racism is the fruit on a tree whose root is actually something that comes from the human heart. That the root of that tree is actually pride and contempt and rage in the human heart. And as that gets expressed through racism in our world, and that pride, that contempt, that rage, that's what Jesus wants to get rid of. That's what Jesus wants to heal the human heart from. Jesus takes racism so much more seriously than we do because he wants to go to the thing that's causing it and heal humanity from that. You see, that racism is this raging hellfire that's, that's ravaging our world. And it's ignited by this, these little flames in the human heart that are distortions away from God's good plan from humanity in our world. And that's what makes Jesus so unique and so incredible. Jesus lived a sin-free, hell-free life. He was only love. He was only giving everywhere he went. And then he allowed the sin that we've committed and the hell that we've created to overwhelm and destroy him and let it exhaust its power on him. And then he conquers sin and death through the resurrection and he makes a way for humankind to join Jesus in his death so that their old selves can die and then join Jesus in his resurrection so that they can begin to live a new life. This is the invitation of the gospel. It's a brand new, transformed, resurrected heart that is no longer governed by sin releasing hell into the world, but it's a heart where sin has been replaced with heaven. It's been replaced with the way God does things. And then that's what we release into the world everywhere we go. That's the, that's the story of the good news. And that's the invitation of Jesus to every single one of us right now. What's God's plan to recreate the world? His plan is to recreate humans, right? The, the brokenness of the world came from brokenness in the human heart, and the redemption of the world has decisively begun through what Jesus accomplished in renewing, redeeming, and restoring the human heart. When Jesus came, he, he made disciples, not just believers, but disciples, right? Another word for that is students. And he, it's not just people that believed the right things, but they're people that he taught to live his way. The eternal kind of life is what he taught them to live. And this is the same invitation that Jesus extends to you and to me today. You see, without Jesus, you might be able to help the world, but Jesus is the only one who's able to change the world because Jesus is the only one with the power to change the human heart. And that's what it all comes down to. So I'm begging you, please don't see your personal salvation and your personal growth in holiness, your personal growth to looking more and more like Jesus. Please never see that as separate as God's magnificent plan to restore the whole world. It's how God's doing it. Your growth to look more and more like Jesus is part of God's magnificent plan to restore the entire universe. What an epic story that God has invited us to step into. So what's God's will for your life? God's plan and God's will for your life is for you to be transformed, to look more and more like Jesus every day, to love the things Jesus loved, 
to be- believe the things Jesus believed, to say the things Jesus said, to do the things Jesus did. It's kind of like when, when we're formed like Jesus in this way, it's a little bit like muscle memory or like instinct. And I think any of you that are athletes or musicians or even gamers, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. When I was a track athlete and when I started in track, I, I had to learn how to use blocks, which are like when the track runners kind of get down on all fours right before the race starts and there are those blocks things that they push off of. You have to learn how to use those things. There's like a specific technique to how to do it well. You explode out of it. You drive your knee and your arm and you keep your head low and you slowly come up as you run. And, and the first time I was doing that, it took a lot of focus to get every little piece of that technique right. And, and the second and the third and the fourth time I did it, it took a lot of focus to get all those pieces right. But eventually, the more that I did it, all those movements and those motions, they became muscle memory. They became instinct to me. They became what I did naturally because I did it over and over and over again. It's the same thing if you're, if you're a musician like a guitarist. When you're, when you're first learning and you're trying to put your fingers on the strings in the right places and you finally get a chord, you're like, okay, that's it. Then you have to switch to the next one. You kind of do like one finger at a time. But then you look at a pro and they're just like flowing from form to form, right? And how are they able to go there so quickly? It's muscle memory. They've practiced it so much that what the right thing to do is, has become instinct to them. It's even true for video games. My, my wife, Kayla, who I adore, she loves me so much. Uh, a few times she's even played Super Smash Bros. with me. But I was, I was kind of cracking up while we were playing because, you know, I'm just kind of playing. But I looked over and I noticed that she was like looking down at her controller as much as she was looking at the screen. I'm like, babe, what are you doing? And she's like, you keep telling me to press A, but I don't know where A is. <laughs> and, and I was laughing because... For me, that's just become instinct. That's become muscle memory. I know where all the buttons are, but for someone who hasn't done it as much, it's not that instinct yet. But I just want to ask, what if following Jesus could be like that? Where we, we practice it and we're so formed by the loving power of our God that Jesus's way of doing things is not something we have to think about really hard and, and try, it's just what comes naturally to us. It's muscle memory, that that's my instinct to do things that way now. You know, the first time that your little sibling kind of annoys you, it's gonna take a lot of focus and restraint to hold on to patience in that moment. But the more we do it, the more that'll become second nature. You know, the first time someone puts you down and makes you feel small, it's gonna take a lot of self-control and restraint to not give in to rage and instead be kind. But the more we do that, the more it becomes instinct. Because every time we obey God, what you're actually doing is you're opening your heart for God to transform you and to make you more and more like Jesus. What if, what if we were so transformed by the loving power of our God that Jesus' way of doing things became our instinct? It just became what we did naturally. We don't have to say, oh, pause, let me like open up my Bible and see what Jesus has to say about that. No, I've spent so much time in the Bible. I've spent so much time in the Lord with pray- in prayer with the Lord. I've spent so much time with the people of God that I've been formed by my God where these things come naturally to me now. I, I want to call us to that CA students in 678. Let's be people that have Jesus instincts that have Jesus' muscle memory formed in us, that what comes out of us naturally is what comes out of God naturally. So how does this happen? 
in someone's life, maybe you're thinking like, man, I really want that. But, but it also feels like they're so far for me to go. Can I just say, me too. <laughs> I really want that. And I feel like I have so much to grow in. But guess what? If you want that, guess who wants this so much more for you than you do? God does. God wants this so much more even than you do for yourself. And, and Philippians 1 says that the, the God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That God, if you want this and you choose to engage in this process, God will help you as you do this. It's not that you have to try hard enough to become like Jesus. It's will you let God transform you enough to become like Jesus. So the rest of the series, we're going to be talking about different aspects of what it looks like to be Jesus formed and how to do that. And so I can't wait to get into it more, but I want to leave you guys with just two thoughts about as we start getting ready to be Jesus formed, what do we need to do? First, if you want to be formed like Jesus, you need to submit to Jesus. If you want to be formed like Jesus, you need to submit to Jesus. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but I am saying that you are to be more and more allowing Jesus to rule your life, to have reign in your life. Because every time you choose to obey, you're opening your heart to be transformed by Jesus. So what I'm asking you is make as much space as possible for your life to be transformed by Jesus. We do that by saying yes to what he invites us to. And when we get to something in scripture that's hard, when we get to something in, Je in scripture that we don't want to do, where you kind of feel like you disagree with Jesus, let me tell you, a fan of Jesus will say, Jesus, you have a lot of good things to say, but on this, I'm going a different direction. Meanwhile, a follower of Jesus will say, Jesus, I'll follow you even if I don't understand, even if it feels hard to me. I want to encourage you. Let's be followers of Jesus. Let's give him every opportunity to shape our lives more and more like his. So first, if you want to be formed like Jesus, you need to submit to Jesus. And second, if you want to be formed like Jesus, you need to spend time with Jesus. I'm begging you, get in scripture. Get in worship. And I'm not just saying once a week at CA students. If you worked out once a week, you'd be disappointed with the results, right? I'm asking you to spend time with God every day. Get in community, whether that's continuing to come to uh, 6, 7, 8 or CA students in person or staying committed to this or coming to life group, whether that's a Zoom life group or an in-person life group. Surround yourself with the community of God because the more we surround ourselves with Jesus, the more we get to know him. And then by his power, we're able to represent him and live like him well to the world around us. So if you want to be formed like Jesus, I want to encourage you, submit to Jesus and spend time with Jesus. I, and I promise you, if you do those things, you're going to find more freedom, not less. You're going to find more joy, not less. More peace, not less. More purpose, not less. I promise you. I promise you. And so to close, I just want to remind you, don't just have Jesus with you. Have Jesus formed in you. Forgiveness is just the first part of salvation. It's not only securing a better eternity, it's unlocking a better present reality right now too. Following Jesus is not just about believing in Jesus, it's about being formed like Jesus. We want to develop Jesus instincts in our souls 
guiding us to love what he loves, to say what he says, to do what he does. And just six, seven, eight, C students, can you imagine it? A group of middle schoolers and high schoolers whose hearts are so transformed to look like the God who is only love, who is, he's all love, he's all truth, and he's all freedom for our world. And we released that everywhere we went. I want to be a part of that. And, and I, I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm going to ask that you do it with me. And we'll have grace for each other, and God will help us as we continue to say yes to him and allow him to transform our lives to be Jesus-formed. I love you so much, 6, 7, 8, and CA students. Let me just pray and ask that God would be working powerfully amongst us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your holy work among us. Thank you that you are saving the world and you are saving us. Jesus, I pray that you would give us humility, that when you come to correct us, that we would allow, that we would say, you're right, and I'm going to do it your way. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us joy in this process, that when you save us, you're taking us from death to life, not from life to death. Help us to believe that, help us to experience that, and help us to more and more look like you every single day. We love you, we trust you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, CA students in 678. See you guys next week.